Uh, good evening, guys, and to our listeners, welcome to episode four of the Rit Nerds podcast. Uh, tonight, we'd like to tackle shortly uh, the topic, when would you do a face piece and or regulator changeover during a RIT operation? Uh, we had this topic, actually, I put this topic up on the RIT groups uh, group page on Facebook earlier this week. We had a good discussion on it and some good comments and feedbacks, but uh, Ron, you want to kick it off and give us some thoughts? Yeah. Um, one, I think to be able to, to accomplish a either regulator change out or mass change out, we need to understand why we're doing it. And if it's really the most um, effective um, thing that needs to be done to give that down firefighter air. I think that, you know, comes in the previous conversations we had with, you know, how far are we into the building? What's the environment we're working in? And do we need to move the firefighter before we give them fresh air? Um, I think once we tackle those couple questions, we can move to the face piece um, question. Uh, training comes into this pretty big. You need to be very comfortable with uh, using a glove hand and knowing where your release is, your donning switch, you know, your purge valve is on the regulator and being able to manipulate those with that gloved hand. I, I find a lot of times guys can't do that on their own face piece. You know, how are they going to do it on mm -hmm. somebody else's? Um, and then obviously making the decision, you know, we need, you know, I've always said it before, we need thinking firefighters. We need to know what they're actually trying to accomplish and, and why they're trying to do it, not just to do it. So it, that's it uh, a, lot of, a lot more questions than just our basic. That's uh, a great point. Uh, you make there around the thinking firefighter and we need to know when to do this versus just, Oh, we're going to do it. Um, when I came into our department uh, 12, 13 years ago, it was a skill that we were practicing. Our rip bags did carry an extra face piece and an extra uh, regulator in it. <clears throat> but the question of when would you do it really was an ignored question. It was the, the throwdown. Uh, if they have a face mask problem, we're going to do a face piece changeover. Right. And there was no, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought into the conditions, right? What are the conditions around the firefighter that needs it? And what's the condition of the firefighter that needs it? Are they even, can they talk to you? What are, what's going on with them? And over the last few years, we've dug into some of that in trying to create that thinking firefighter. Like you're bringing equipment with you, but it doesn't mean you're going to need it. And that's that's a big point because um, we had people training on doing the, you know, the skill itself is a great skill, but if I'm unconscious and my face piece has failed in a positive position, meaning the air is flowing, but they can't stop it. Well, that's what's keeping me alive. Give me some air and let's get my, get me out. If you take my face mask off, like you said, Ron, they need to be confident and capable to be able to put it back on. And, even competent and capable firefighters that have practiced that skill numerous times and, and have that confidence, there's still going to be a failure rate. And that failure rate, meaning if they fail, you're not going to give me air again. And the air is the one thing keeping me alive at that point. Mm -hmm. So right. I like the, the points that you're hitting a few, you know, in the, in the uh, beginning of what you started to say was, where are they in the building? What's the emergency that they're having? Um, how far are we from an exit? And then yeah. uh, can we compartment? Those are some of the questions that, that I like to think of um, mm -hmm. in that situation. I definitely like the um, can, can we compartment. I don't think that's touched on near enough. Um, we talk about it a lot in regards to like VES and search or even um, our own, you know, firefighter survival training. Um, 
stuff breaks loose, you get in a bad way, you know, trying to see yourself off. But in regards to RIT, that's, that, that could be a potential, you know, right there. Um, hey, do we have time to, you know, go one room over where maybe a little bit better of a, you know, safer haven and, you know, hey, let's dissect this thing and figure out exactly what we need to do in more, maybe more of a tenable area. So I think that's a really good point you made right there. Yeah, I think once we address our our situational awareness and we're comfortable or okay with having the time and actually doing the regulator swap out or the mass swap out, you know, as long as we're comfortable there, let's move forward and, and definitely go for it. But that person on the air and that air position needs to be on their game that day. You mm -hmm. know? Um, there's some things that also come into play in the mind, and I, I still try to throw this question out whenever I get the chances, what do people do with the helmet of the down firefighter? Um, I mean, my personal opinion is remove it and leave it. Um, we'll get it later, obviously. Um, but it's in the way when we're moving the down firefighter, when we're trying to provide air, you know, um, even a simple drag, it's, it's bumping, moving, and possibly dislodging the mask of that down firefighter. So I think once, we get the firefighter positioned, remove the helmet and have somebody else you're working with say, listen, this is what I need. I need the regulator or I need the mask. And mm -hmm. then it's go. Um, so going off of uh, what you just said, Ron, with removing the, um, the helmet, I don't know if it's popular uh, where you're at, but I see it all the time at work. Um, and I actually used to own one, but a lot of guys are going to, um, the uh, aftermarket, you know, chin straps, right? Um, some of them are, you know, thicker uh, leather. And a lot of them that I've seen are just the uh, chin strap with just a postman slide. And so right. there's no bu no buckle on the opposite side. So if you got somebody that's cinched down, and usually those tails can be fairly long um, and with good reason. So the chin strap, can, the mask can go through the chin strap upon, you know, masking up before entering, all that good stuff. Um, but there should definitely be a contingency plan in place as far as do we have the proper cutters in our rip bag? Is someone carrying proper cutters? Is someone carrying a dive knife like a blunt end knife? Because if you go trying to do um, a small motor skill of trying to locate that postman slide and the chaos that is a rip situation to try and loosen that strap up or you're trying to feel for a buckle and it may, may be A, I can't find the buckle because I'm so jacked up and there's so much going on and I got people yelling at me, past devices are going off, other crews are coming in saying, hey, what the hell's going on? Or it may be the fact that there is no buckle there to release. It's an aftermarket, you know, leather slide with just a postman slide on it, um, aftermarket leather chin strap, and there is no buckle to release. And that's going to have to be cut before we can even, you know, get the party started as far as, you know, a mass changeover goes. Um, so just um, another thing, you know, to throw into the mix. That's a good point. Right. So we've had a couple of guys that um, actually, the guys that don't have the buckles, right? So we just have the postman slide. We've had a couple of guys be like, oh, yeah, I'm good with my gloves. Knock it out. They locate the postman slide. Unzip it, right? Cool deal. Now you got a big chin strap. And where do we always typically go whenever we unbuckle the down fireman's helmet? To the back, right? So you don't have a buckle to unbuckle now, but you've successfully freed um, the tension from the helmet onto the, the fireman's head. A lot of guys are going back with the helmet, right? So what do we have now? This choking hazard. Choking hazard. It's still connected and you're going around corners. The helmet's, you know, back here, it's getting caught off on shit. So uh, we start started, you know, trying to, hey, let's just, no matter if it's um, a buckle or no buckle, helmet's always going forward forward into the lap, out of the way. Um, so I don't know if that helps you or anything, but that's just something we're messing with. And um, I just want to uh, pass, pass that on. That's a great point, man. Uh, it's not even something that's in my, in my thought process, uh, those yeah. chin straps. We don't have a lot of them at work right now, but I know they'll be coming, I'm sure. And yeah. uh, that's a great point. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yeah, man. Honestly, I never thought about, about cutting the chin strap. You know, I'm always for taking the helmet off, but – I tend to find the buckle and I get lucky. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I ne absolutely. Never thought about cutting it off. So that's something I'm going to add into my, my little tool cache. So thank you. I, 
um, you know, taking a look at Project Mayday, the face piece problem takes up 11.4% of um, the air problems found with Mayday firefighters. So, I mean, it's, it's not a small percentage, but it's not a large percentage. You know, we just need to understand that it does happen. Um, the rest of the problems we, we see is uh, low air, out of air, obviously face piece problems, and then regulator issues. Hey, hey um, Ron, sure. what was that percentage yeah. you, you threw out real quick? The one I got is 11.4 for uh, face piece problems. Yeah, I just want to clarify for people listening. So the um, air problems out of all of the maydays that they collected, air problems made up 16.6%. And the face piece problem was 11% of that 16%. So if we actually look at the numbers of instances, on the career side, Project Mayday's collected 5,878 close calls or Maydays, and the face piece problems takes 105 of those. So mm -hmm. it's actually a really low number, which is encouraging. Right. Um, and then, which is is beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, extremely beneficial. That, and then if you add in the regulator problem at 5.1%. You have a combined total of that topic, face piece or regulator problem, of 152 instances. And I ran mm -hmm. the numbers. When you compare that as a percentage to the entire list of Maydays, it's it's 0.025% of our Maydays that they've collected are coming from face piece and or regulator problems, which is a very small number. Yeah. Um, and, wow. and while that, while that is a small number and James, like you said, it is encouraging to hear um, all the more reason to be even more proficient at doing that, that skill or that task. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, when you look at uh, the Maydays, right? Uh, not all Maydays are, are created equal. None of them are, are the same. And we, when you look at a low air Mayday, which is the majority of air problems that they've collected, bringing in 62% of the air problem majors, uh, that's not life or death at the moment that they call mm -hmm. for a mayday, right? It, it can be if we don't handle it, but the face piece problem, the regulator problem has a much higher chance of being a, a life or death and, uh, and then not being able to supply them with just with air by just plugging and playing, right? You have to replace something possibly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so while it's a very small percentage, it's still a very high risk, right? And if you are not competent in that, in that skill, there's a very high chance of failure. Right. And it all depends on what pack you're running. I know Scott's fail in the open position, supposedly, um, but I don't know about Draggers or MSAs or any other packs that are out in there on the market. <clears throat> so understanding really how your pack and your rip pack work, you know, are another key element to knowing where to put the face piece. Um, if you have a bump style regulator, if you um, have the netting with the little pull tab in the back, or if you have a homemade setup, Those all are these are little things. Those are all really good points. I was actually trying to pull some numbers. So uh, in 2016, we ran at work, we ran a competency. Uh, I guess we just call them competencies, but we run the majority of the county through different skill set evolutions. And the face mask application was one of those evolutions. Um, we had just switched over to the Scott Rip Pack 3 and with it to the new face mask that came with the rip pack with that tab and the very small netting. And I can't find the exact numbers, but one of the results, because our failure rate in that evolution was fairly high, one of the results was we switched back to the older style rip mask that had the larger net and it had no pull tab. And we, mm -hmm move forward as a large organization, we move forward by saying we are going to put the heater hose in the, the netting and we're going to keep it there. 
previously, certain companies would do it. Some wouldn't. Everybody's rip pack was a little bit different. But mm -hmm. running through the competency and seeing where our failures were, knowing that there were some solutions to, to make those uh, problems start to go away, or at least make it easier for the crews completing the task, uh, we were able to take that data and fight and push and say, hey, this new mask, we don't like it, it has a high failure rate. Um, we were able to successfully complete this task a lot easier with this older mask by making these two changes to it. That's awesome to hear, to, to really have a new product come down the line and then have a whole department switch over to something that they want out of, this is the way it is. Um, that's pretty big comp uh, accomplishment for you guys. Oh yeah, it, it took um, it took a little while to get done, but you know, anything, uh, nothing happens fast, you know? So, uh, just knowing that if you're making the good argument, you've got your data, you, you feel like it's the right decision and you fight for it and it takes a little time and we're able to get it done. And thankfully, um, we switched over and, and now it's, uh, it's a little easier to complete that skill. Um, when Scott switched to the, See when we when we bought the our new packs, we switched to the five point face mask that has the very small netting on the back, mm -hmm. and uh, that became that was one of the major issues we had with that skill set with applying it to a down firefighter and going back to the big netting changed that uh, drastically. We we ended up coming up with two methods that we were teaching with the small netting and just label them your primary and your secondary method. The primary starting with the, the netting pulled over the lens of the face mask, so you had a clean back. And the secondary method was we had so many failures that uh, we had to be able to reset, but to reset that small netting to the front side of the face piece and zero visibility was very hard. So we basically had to have, say our secondary method now will be you failed the first time, the net's already on the back side, on the seal side. So we have to get the net. And the way I can describe it without having any pictures um, was by holding on to the front side of the face mask at the regulator and getting your gloved hand in between the seal and the net. And then mm -hmm. pulling apart, you spread it out. And then slipping it and dropping it over the unconscious firefighter's head yep. with another person. Uh, the person in the back holding them stable with them holding their head stable so you could get there, get it over. Um, yeah, but uh, once we changed the netting back to the old, or the, to the old mask with the larger netting, we almost have uh, very few failures of the primary method um, when they're at that point. And I know I've talked with Ron before in the past um, of at least you know where i work full-time um of rip bags being set up differently even so much so to day-to-day -day operations um whereas you may open it up one day and you have your um small line connection hose inside your mask inside the mesh the mesh may be over the face piece the mesh may be um back rolled back over um Bottom loops may be tight, top ones loose, a plethora of things, especially where hoses are stored. Um, for a while, there was one shift, I want to say, that was taking um, the, the, EB, the EBSS connection hose, and they were running it exterior from the bag. We have um, the, the rip pack tube from Scott, and they were taking it and putting it in from the interior of the bag and putting it into an exterior um, compartment. One of the two, you have the small and the large, they're yep. running it into the large exterior compartment. And then they put um, some 550 cord with like, you know, a big knot. That way you can grab it, but then again, it's exposed to elements that rise in the compartment all day, grit and grime gets down to the fittings. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool that, mm -hmm. I know Rome wasn't built in a day, but that's, that's pretty cool that y'all have it to where at least it's standardized and everyone's familiar with. You know, no oh. matter if I go to engine one, two, three and pull their pack off, I know it's going to be the exact same setup as mine, right? So I don't even have to, you know, really familiarize myself. Whereas, like, if I go on a job today or wherever and just we had a fire the other day, 
uh, last tour, I was across the floor on the rescue, get there, get us on writ, work and fire, uh, grab my writ pack. We have a, um, we have a small battery um, rotary saw, grab that hook bar, shoot up, get to the primary engine that's, you know, pumping the two lines and I'm grabbing their pack. So now I got two and I go take a knee, check them out, make sure they're all good. And they're completely set up two totally different ways um from our pack and their pack so it's just it's a mess um but what do you do yeah <laughs> you get with james since yeah and it, <laughs> well uh, you know we we standardized some of it but it, it doesn't change the fact that some people like things in different pockets and that that happens oh, sure. all the time so yeah. um you know right. what we try and teach to and in our initial writ is our fourth engine on on our assignment so we try and teach to the recruits thankfully we have some days in basic training with them and we teach them like, look, when you pull the pack out, you need to open it up, take a minute, mm -hmm. uh, familiarize yourself with it. If there's any small changes that you want to make really quick, make them, yep. close the pack back up and be ready to go. Now that doesn't stop. We also talk to them about, look, you may be in route and the mayday goes out. And as soon as you get to the scene, you're grabbing and moving. So you have yep. to know this thing inside and out in the dark with your eyes closed, meaning that if things are set up differently, you can trace it back to where things are connected. Where's right. the low pressure side? Where's the high pressure side? Where's the mask? Where's the regulator? And you have to understand what each piece feels like so you can search for it in that bag in the dark and, and make that, find that thing. Right. Um, circling back around to, uh, you know, making the actually uh, doing the task, right? So what do you guys think about, um, back to the beginning, we were talking about uh, the thinking firefighter and knowing when you would actually do this skill. Um, let's talk about some face mask problems uh, that occur, right? So if um, you hear the mayday go out and it's a firefighter calling because they're low on air. They're having a malfunction in their face mask. Uh, so obviously one of the solutions is going to be getting them air and then getting them out or getting them out even before we can get them air. But uh, you guys come inside and, and we find them. Um, where, where do you draw the line of, I'm going to call the face piece changeover or let's supply them with air and, and see if we can get them out. I think, I think a lot of that it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be a cop out answer because a lot of it is so situational based. Um, but, you know, I feel like one of the, one of the number one things that goes into if, and this is all, this is all from theory. Um, because I've, I've never been on a mayday where I've had to go in to a fire, you know, a compartment and change someone's mask over. Hope I never have to. Um, but I think one of the things that comes around to deciding if you're going to stay in play um, is obviously that's going to be based off of how deep. If you're, you know, second story, third, um, conditions, what's going on around you, companies making the push, things of that nature. But if we get there and if I get to run, and say I'm the air guy or I'm, you know, the identifier guy that I'm going to identify like, hey, this is a guy, blah, blah, blah. And I rub my hand, my glove across his face <laughs> and there's no lens there, right? It's, 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 the lens has failed. We've had a face piece failure, you know, and it fails in the open position and it's spewing air, right? He's low, he's banging. I feel like that, that dictates like, hey, like, we need, we need, we need to go ahead and, you know, call this, this play from the playbook and put in, put it in action. Cool. Uh, so I, uh, I feel like any lens piece failure is, you know, a necessity for a face piece changeover. Let's break that down a little bit. Cause there's some key words that you said that, that I, uh, that are good indicators, right? You said they're pretty deep in. Now, what does that mean to you guys? Right. Um, I mean, pretty deep. Bin, it refers to either a commercial building or one of my standard residential homes like Razor Ranch, a Cape, two or three mm -hmm. wood. You know, that's how I base it. Um, then again, at work, 
my average style or average size house at work is seven to nine thousand square feet. So yeah, you got those big houses. Commercial building too, right? So yeah, it's right. like, you know, I do most of my rid operations obviously at home more than I do at work because we usually have an outside agency coming in for our rit team until uh, we can free somebody up. But at home, I'm stuck at you know three woods, capes, and ranches. So unless we're in an industrial building, I'm, I hate to say it, I'm pretty confident there's going to be a window or a door near me. You know, that's, I mean? and, and that's a good point. You know, when you teach search or when, when we teach search now, we started teaching like, what's the best thing for the victim, right? Not, not what is the best thing for me, but what's the best thing for the victim. And in a residential, if we can, we compartment. And then if the fire allows us, we ventilate even before yep. we move them out. Right. Because yep. while we're waiting for a ladder or while we're getting our wits about us, you know, the quick question, is it better to drag the victim down a, hall, a smoky hallway over all the hose that is dragged down there, trying to get them down a set of steps with 10 people trying to get up yep. or shutting the door and opening a window? Yes. It may take longer for us to get them out, but if we can turn that bedroom into a, uh, survivable atmosphere the the rush goes away and it goes the same thing for this right if you are in that residential where you can compartment and then uh supply them with air before you can get them out even if it's just a buddy breathe right um yep. with it failing to uh blow by yes their whole lens may be gone but at least what's rushing out of their face mask is clean air right, uh, right. so um, some interesting numbers though, back from project Mayday, when you look at the, they broke down the locations of air problems. And even though air problems is a fairly low number, uh, the majority of them are happening in commercial structures with 43% coming in in commercial structures. And then your next number is, uh, 38 in residential and, um, he puts apartments down there at 13%. So, you know, kind of looking, I guess it, it changes a little bit because most of us would say an apartment is residential. So if you add those two numbers together, um, I don't know if you, if, if Don means by apartments that you're, you're not in a, you know, the rest of the residential component means you're in a house, a single family or a townhouse. And then, your garden apartments and high rises got thrown into the apartment one or what, but, um, still staggering. We run less commercial fires than we run residential fires and half of those air problems are happening in commercial, uh, fires. And the hard part there is that low air alarm, right. Or low air mayday can very easily, excuse me can very easily become an out of air mayday in that commercial because it's so hard to reorient yourself in that mm -hmm. type of building. Right. right. Well, you know, I think once you establish, like you said, you know, what we're working in and getting that space tenable for everybody to, to work in, you need to move forward. Like, like uh, Chad said, you know, what's the face piece actually like now, you know, where, where are we sitting is he breathing? Is he talking to me? Um, is the regulator actually flowing and doing what it's supposed to? Or, or is the face piece deformed or, you know, even off? I need to know that to keep moving forward. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that helps determine my next move. You know? Right. That's going to dictate what you're going to do next. Right. So obviously any air is good air as long as it's moving past the face. Um, I would say if the face piece is deformed, depending on how my environment is, I'd probably just do a regular swap out or hit him with the UAC, give him more air to keep that air flowing by his face piece. I fall onto that same side with you, Ron. Um, if the face piece has failed, that's extremely bad right you know that person it's one of the worst problems we could have when dealing with this so the heat failed it failed the lens we have a hole in the lens um 
hopefully by the point that we've made it to them, we've controlled that fire. Uh, the right. best thing we can do is protect them from the heat and supply them with air. Um, again, though, you know, my visual right now of a face piece failure is a hole that's the size of, you know, one or two inches. But as Chad said it before, if the lens is completely gone, that's different. Uh, that's a different problem. And again, okay. coming back to how far into the building are you? Um, the, the biggest thing, I guess, is uh, circling back to being a thinking firefighter. I was thinking about something the other day, right? Our, our, the fire grounds we were on have such a rapid rate of transformation that a decision you make in one moment could be the right decision. But 30 seconds later, when you find out one more piece of information, that decision mm -hmm. becomes, it may have been the wrong decision. And it wasn't right. wrong right. at the time. But now that we have some more information, we go back and say, I actually want to move in this other direction. It doesn't mean you made a mistake. It means that you are continuously evaluating your scenario. So something that may have started as let's supply them with air and start packaging and moving could turn into we need to do a face mask changeover because it's going to be 15 minutes until we get out of here. And that's what I feel like a lot of it boils down to is decisions on the fly, being able to make that call that audible if need be. Um, Ron, I know you texted me a while ago and you were talking about like, um, we were talking about face piece things as far as like training's concerned. Mm -hmm. How do you get that realistic uh, face piece damage or mm -hmm. face pieces, you know, messed up or whatnot. And uh, down uh, my previous department, like they would, we would go through, we even did this in recruit school down there as far as, okay, if you have a face piece, like James was saying, one inch hole or whatever, for the longest time, you know, those guys were teaching us if this ever happens and you, you're aware that it happens, plug it with your glove, right? Plug it with your glove, get somewhere good. Um, one of the issues I have with that is, um, and you, Okay, so obviously I'm in a hot environment to cause a failure of my lens. Um, and if I'm going to, my lens has already been compromised, correct? So if I'm going to plug that with my hand, and this is just a question, am I going to cause so much pressure that my lens is already deformed and compromised that I'm going to make it worse? Or is plugging the, you know, the, my lens going to be good for me? That's, that's an answer I don't have. Um, some, some of the other things we went through, like I was telling you, like we we had a guy that had a face piece with holes drilled through it. And then that was the, that was the problem we worked. Right. But if we're going, if we're talking about when we're going to make the change. And again, this is comes down to, you know, some stats numbers, and then a lot of theory put into application on the drill ground. Um, say we go to that, we go to the seat of the fire, we go to the end of the nozzle where that nozzleman's calling like, you know, calling his mayday or his, his uh, slack man's calling the mayday for him because, you know, he, he can't, you know, transcribe anything to the radio because his face piece is gone. He's freaking out about that, right? He needs air. That air is a big deal. Um, so is he even going to be in the same spot by the time we get to the end of that nozzle? Or has he tried, you know, crawling to, you know, another room trying to uh, confine himself that way? Um, so like air and water is not a big deal. Um, I forgot. I think Jeffries says that air and water is not a big deal until you're not getting enough of it. Right. And that's especially true on the fire ground. Um, so another element I think that goes into that is okay. Like James is saying, we got to be ready to call the audible. I totally agree with that. And that's a good way to put it because 30 seconds before it might've been a good idea. But now that we've gathered, like he said, two or three pieces more information, ah, crap. Well, that was probably not the right call, right call at the time not the right call now. Right. Um, but if we're, and I think a big thing that's going to quantify everything is as far as what are we going to do? If we get to that space, the heat's controlled, then, then yeah, that that's obviously going to last time. But if it took that amount of heat to deform or compromise. Hey guys. Sorry, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty here, and we had to restart our conversation. So bear with us, and uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Oh boy! All right, I got uh, you guys. Huh? I got you guys on here. 
I just don't know where we let, uh, left off. <laughs> um, Ron was or uh, Chad, you were talking about heat, and I yeah. think you're talking about a gloved hand on the face mask. Yeah. Um, I, I so getting back to depending upon like when we're gonna do this thing, when we're gonna decide like we're gonna be decisive and say okay like yes he he or she or whoever needs the face piece replacement um i think a lot of that is going to be dictated upon the fact of is that environment you know that the environment we're entering in it's, it may not be on our end but when we get deeper down like say if we're going after a nozzle um if that heat element has not been controlled right we're entering the same atmosphere where it just screwed you know his his lens up right who's to say if you know, if the firefight doesn't continue and all hell's break, all hell breaks loose because now there's a legit mayday incident and we know firemen to be problem solvers, right? So if, and I think I talked with you guys before about this. So if we don't have firemen continue with fire ground discipline and continue with the mission of, uh, you know, controlling that, that, that heat element, you know, controlling the fire department and whatnot, um, that could be bad. <laughs> That makes everything right. that makes it harder for us because um, we just had a guy calling over radio or his buddies calling over radio like, "Hey, Johnny's Johnny's face is screwed right now. Like, you know, he's, he's burning up." Blah blah blah. And all right, well, is anyone putting the fire out? Is anyone still you know flowing water? We need copious amounts of water still flowing at all times because if not, then you know Johnny's partner's next, right? Especially if they're you know you know not de-ass in the situation, and then we're entering that said environment. So I think a lot of that is going to be dictated by not only, you know, what our game plan or what our call from the playbook is going to be, but as far as making a regulator swap, doing a face piece swap. But I think what we need probably to need to take into account is, or at least someone from the RIT group needs to take into account of what's everyone around us doing. Right. Our task and function still getting done. And if not, maybe James, you know, comes in and he's our RIT officer with our RIT group, maybe he needs to take a second while he's, you know, using his tick, communicating via radio, what we have going on. Maybe he needs to, you know, take a second, and, you know, redirect some guys like, hey, you know, pick up that hose line, put that, put that fire out, right? Um, so I, I think a lot of what we do needs to be based off of, okay, what's everyone around us doing? So I could be totally off base with that. Um, just I, I think opinion. that last statement is very important. The, I think when you say a lot of what we do needs to be based off of what other people around us are doing, and that hits back to, you know, the percentage of maydays that are actually being accomplished by the RIT team, right? If mm -hmm. if it's such a low percentage at, at like seven percent now, uh, that means that other people, the interior, the other interior firefighters, they're accomplishing a lot of this stuff. So that's key, right? We have to be able to come in with a plan, but also be adapting to what the plan that's currently being <coughs> enacting or mm -hmm. enacted. If we don't want a worst case or one of the worst things we can do at that point is come in and say, this is not what I wanted to do and get in an argument with the crews that are actually working right now. You James. Know, assess be, what they're up to and then support that plan with minor changes. James, would it be a fair assessment to say that we need to be able to adapt and overcome? <laughs> There's the shameless plug. <laughs> At least I didn't make it. Uh, uh, no, and, and that's, uh, that's honestly, man, that's one of the reasons going back to when uh, I started putting all that together, why I went with that name was, yeah. uh, it's good. Drives it, home it, is a very basic and, and one of my favorite sayings being conditions drives tactics. So the, the two of them work hand in hand, adapt and overcome and conditions drive tactics. Those are uh, big points in every class that we teach, no matter what the topic is. Um, and, and, and it, go ahead. And, and while I'm real quick, before we get too serious again, and while I'm on my dad joke kick, Ron, the next fire you go to, is not going to have a window and you're going to be like, damn it. I said I was going to use a window and this, this house has no windows. You're going to yeah. have a fire in a masonry lodge. <laughs> we actually, um, we did go to a, uh, for a 
we were called Rit to the next town over. And um, it was a very odd, like, salt box style home, two floors, but the second floor only had a window in the bathroom in the middle of the house and then a window out over the garage. And, like, the rest of the house had no windows the way the roof line came out. Mm. And uh, they were doing all their searches up there, and it was hoarding conditions. And I said, if that's if something's going to happen, our luck is it's going to be on the second floor, all in that crap, you know? Oh, yeah. Luckily, they made a quick knock on it, and nobody was hurt. So, but yeah. that, that I always think back to that when I say, "Yeah, there's going to be no window, or there's going to be a window for me to use." You know, that house only provided very little to work with. So, right. You know, I, I you were talking about time management, kind of. Um, you know, I've told you guys this before. I used a fifteen-second rule. If we're not accomplishing what our goal is in that 15 seconds either somebody else needs to try to do it or we need to move on to plan b or c mm -hmm. um you know and, and that goes for a regulator and face piece swap outs um just because you're assigned the rip pack going into the building doesn't mean you're going to do that task when you find or locate the down firefighter um, right somebody else could be injured we know that statistics out there that one or two of us is probably going to have another incident where it's probably could be made a uh, material, you know, but we'll probably work through it with our team, I'm assuming. Right. But going in there, you know, if you're having a hard time getting the face piece on uh, and, you know, you start to think to yourself that 15 seconds, it, it's a very long time, even though it doesn't seem like it. Pass it on to somebody else. Don't. Don't let, you know, our hangups be the hangups of the down firefighter. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I've seen guys oral regulators around the face piece like it, yeah. you know, it was a baton. So. Um, I went to – I had the opportunity to go to – and I don't know if you guys – Ron, you may be – James, I don't know if you're aware of it. Um, it's called FTTN. It's in Indiana. And uh, I went two years ago uh, to do the uh, – the fire camp and it's like seven or eight stations all live fire pretty intense stuff it's like fire fireman's disneyland out there and um i had some guys from boston um kenny hayes and um sandy lassa that were on um that uh the you know l o double d fire with the last two guys right um they were teaching a class or teaching one of the sections and uh i'll never forget um Ron, I can't remember when we talked about it, but the 15 second, you brought it up, and I was, I'm beating myself up because there was, uh, in, in that May Day, there was like three or four down firemen. It was a cluster, right? We, my group, we made it to one. I was their air management guy, and we decided, okay, dude, space piece is fine. We're going to do a regulator swap, right? And so from what I could feel, obviously had no visibility, high heat, and I just wanted to get under the floor. I didn't know it was, it was warm. Let's just put it that way. So it was <laughs> obviously hard to focus. And I'm thinking, man, I want to get under this floorboards. I'm freaking burning up. Um, but the regulator was still in the mask. But if you can imagine the regulator looking down on top of it, if you would cut off the part that says mm -hmm. Scott and has the, uh, air saver switch, right? You just literally would cut the regulator in half, correct? Yep. Um, it does not feel like a regulator anymore. It was a banged up regulator they used for training and whatnot. Um, still activated the same way, whatnot, with the turn, half quarter turn. But when my palm went across it, it didn't feel like a regulator to me. It felt like the opening port of the face piece. So I had the reg the red re regulator in my hand. And I'm sitting there and I'm just going and turning and I'm sliding off every time. I bet you I sat there and did that 20 times over and over, not understanding why it's not working. It should be working. I know what I'm doing. I've done this a million times, you know, um, reps and all that. And I, I know this should be working. And literally it's the definition of um, being insane, doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different outcome. Um, and I never once thought to, in my frustration, because obviously when I get frustrated, the horse blinders come in, it's hot, I'm jacked up, I'm even more jacked up now because I'm fudging this whole thing up. Um, pride gets in the way a little bit too, right? 
and I, I never hand it off to anyone else. My crew, everything else is done. My crew is sitting there burning up with me, just waiting on my dumb ass to get done, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm making a fool out of myself, even though I know I'm squared away at this. The whole thing goes to kaput. After it's all said and done, we get to go in and check everything else. And they're like, hey, there's your guy. There's your fireman. Check him out. Mask is deformed, right? Ritz, uh, regulator is in there. The regulator's busted in two. So it's cut directly in half. Air yep. saver switch is gone. The Scott label is gone. It didn't feel like a regulator to me. But there again, I sat there more than 15 seconds, probably a few minutes, and <laughs> cost a lot of time, got nothing done. And everyone, it was, on, it was a low air um, alarm mayday for us because we had to exit as well. So I totally agree with you about the 15-second rule, especially in a writ situation. Um, and I'm, I'm man enough to say that pr- more or less pride got in the way. On, on that run, on that drill. So I totally, that's a very good thing. I feel like you, you, know, you added to the mix here. I'm sorry for the story time, but I feel like it was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. it, it's actually, it, you bring up a good point because that's how we develop training scars. You know, In, instead of coming out of there, like, you know, from what I could tell you did, you know, you guys re reevaluated what, what went on and why it happened, you know. Um, I'm hoping that you know nobody jumped on top of you. And, and no, created. no, absolutely not. It's 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 a total. Uh, it's 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 a boot camp, but for learning, not for being dogged down. Yeah, so it, it worked. So the benefit of it, you know, is obviously you're gonna find a, a better way to do that task at hand. You know, too many times we see guys just get so beat up about what just happened. They they lose all focus, and then we lose them for the. The rest of the class, unfortunately. Right. Um, sorry, just kicking off because I've seen it happen before, you know. And yeah. It's unfortunate. I I just I, I could not believe in my um, <laughs> in a million years that <laughs> that a busted regulator still in a mask port on the face piece port would feel so slick and it would just feel like nothing's there. And you're like, you had the right idea if you would have took that regulator out. <laughs> One of the 25 tries that you tried, it, it would have stuck. But they were like, you got to take his regulator out first. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I didn't even feel like there was a regulator there. And they were like, yeah, it uh, fits pretty flush when you, when, you, when you have one that's broken like that. So I yeah. will, for now, forever, you know, I will make sure I insert the fingers into the, the face piece <laughs> to make sure there's, there's no regulator there if I ever encounter that again. But, um, that, that's but, yeah. a really good story, man. And in – I'm glad you shared it because a number of reasons. One, uh, the, the 15 second rule, I agree with you guys. You know, if things aren't moving the way you want them to, the task may take more than 15 seconds, but if we're making no progress in that 15 seconds, then mm-hmm. we may need to shift either people or the, the task that we're doing. But two, like uh, Ron said, training scars. Uh, an open training environment and I've only heard positive things about fire department training network. If I'm, I'm going to be spending money to go out and get some outside training, which I'd gladly do if I can find the time and the spare money, it would be out there with them. Um, yep. But uh, the, you know, we're always looking at how can we make this skill more realistic? How can we train better on this skill? And that's an easy, that's not an easy one to accomplish, but that's a good one. We've identified one. Hey, do we have some old regulators that are broken up? Can we break them up? Can we put them in place? And then say, hey, Chad, that uh, you ended there with a good point. Like, how do I de- how do we identify? You thought it felt like an open hole. Well, I'm going to put my finger in the hole and see. Right. Am I getting resistance or is my finger going in to touch the, the face? Mm-hmm. Um, but coming up with a couple uh, items that we can say, hey, when you're going to assess, you know, you're assessing these things. We're always teaching, you know, airway breathing and that type of stuff. Are they breathing? Is can you hear their air flowing? Uh, all those types of things. But um, when you get your hands on the face mask, are you really feeling for the regulator? And are you mm-hmm. feeling for the hose where it connects? And again, you know, even if it's just one when a department runs mutual aid with another department, a dragger versus an MSA versus a Scott, 
if you're not used to playing with each one on a daily basis, they feel completely different. Oh yeah. Zero viz high stress environment. It's going to be different. Um, so then uh, your story was, is great. Great. And thank you for sharing it. Oh, anytime, man, I got tons of stories where I have muffed something up pretty huge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on uh, the note of trying to keep us under the hour time limit here, um, just trying to wrap this up in the next couple minutes. So if there's some big takeaways, one is the 15 second rule. We all kind of agreed there at the end that Ron hit the nail on the head with the 15 second rule in whatever it is that we're changing or trying to do. Um, I'm trying to rack my head on the things that we talked about and come up with a definite, this is going to be a face mask changeover and this is not going to be one. And Mm -hmm. while we're trying to stay uh, on the lines of you need to assess your situation, continue with your, you know, I like to say the, we use the OODA loop, the observe, orient, decide, right. act, can decision-making cycle because of how simplified that it can be mm-hmm. when you're trying to explain it to somebody, that you're constantly analyzing your scenario. Um, so, uh, just I'm going to run down a couple of things real quick here and we'll kind of knock them out. Um, face piece is already off. They're unconscious. Breathing versus not breathing. Mm-hmm. That is one where their face piece is off. So we're already in that positive, not positive, but we're already in that. This is a positive indicator for a face piece changeover. They are lacking a face piece. So mm-hmm. the next question is, conscious or unconscious well if they're conscious and talking to you without a face mask then we we, that's a good thing right the atmosphere is not uh, that bad Um, we still need to protect them get them out Uh, but that's an easy answer they're going to help us get a face mask on they're probably going to be digging at you for a face mask they're going to be compliant yeah unconscious hopefully hopefully they will be compliant hopefully it won't be a brett tarver yeah and that's fighting you Again, that and that's another rabbit hole we could go down is the person sure. fighting you. You know, you have it's the, the drowning victim <laughs> effect. Right. Um and now having to control them while because they're not thinking clearly and get them out. Uh, again, as long as we're moving to get them outside, we're moving right. in a positive direction. If right. they're fighting with you, at least they're still breathing and talking. That's right. the good thing. Um to the unconscious, okay. Uh, breathing versus not breathing either way we need to get them outside if they're breathing we need to we they definitely need supplied air or clean air if they're not breathing we know we're in a bad position again time to get them out is important and it comes back down to a lot of these come back down to the point we were talking about earlier how far in the building are we right that seems to be a common theme in this how far in the building are we uh, again, for me, if it's one of those, I can't view the exit, then we're probably going to do that. All other uh, items aside, you know, there's a, like you guys have said, there's a lot of other things that are going to change my mind one way or the other. But my default is if I can't see the window or door that I want to take them out of, then we may be spending the time to do the face piece changeover at that point. Right. Um, Face pieces off the conscious firefighter. Again, we're going to give it to them and try and get them to comply. If they're not complying, we're going to move them outside. We're going to work in that direction. And short of getting in a wrestling match with them, because if we start doing that where we're trying to force something on them and we stop our move, our progress to get outside, then it becomes a bad thing. So keep that progress of that forward progress of getting them outside. Um, Here's some important ones now. Face piece is on. They're bleeding air, but we don't know where it's coming from. This has been one in the past where people are saying, well, they have a problem with their face piece or regulator. They need a new one. Let's do this. My uh, position on this is if they're conscious and talking to me, but they're bleeding air, I don't, yes, we have a failure of their system the most important thing is get him outside again and then two 
my move is going to be supply them with air and move outside. Yeah, uh, I agree. If I don't want to take off the thing that's keeping them alive, we right. want to keep moving in that direction. Um, holes in their masks. And this is the hard one. Yeah, you know, it's easy to say yes or no, but how big are the holes? Um, for me, if, if the lens has failed and we have a hole in their mask, um, short of the entire lens being gone, I'm going to lean in the direction of supply air and get them outside. Protect the face as we move them uh, with, you know, the people that are, are dragging and, and lifting and stuff, keep some protection on their face. But the time and the chance that we lose the air supply that we currently have, I don't want to take that risk in most positions. If the hole is large, and by large, I mean the, the scenario you gave, Chad, where the lens is gone completely, that's a different ball game where even though their air is leaking and bleeding out, we can give them more air. It may be bleeding out so fast at that point that uh, we, we don't have more than five to six minutes of a fresh bottle until it's gone. Right. Two, is that bleeding air actually going over their, their um, face or is it bleeding to the atmosphere before they even have a chance to breathe it in? Right. So that's where kind of where I would tend to fall on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it, it, would, it's, it would be at least worth a try in some regard, uh, especially if like the environment has been cooled or whatnot and we're not under these intense, you know, delusions of grandeur we always dream up and drum up of we're performing a mass change and under like wild flashovers over top of us and it's this cool photo opportunity like if there's if we there, got like a pin size hole and we're leaking air like if the guy if the guy's with it and you know you can hopefully calm him down while like maybe ron's hooking some air up to him be like hey man i want to take your hand put it over your face right here like just put it over your face piece. It's cool. We got you. We're gonna get you out. Or maybe even a RIT team member can do that, um, depending upon what size hole it is. Um, now, obviously, if you're still in that that you know compartment where it's high, high heat and it's not being controlled, and if you apply pressure to that face piece, it's gonna make it worse. I, I don't know. That's a catch twenty two. I haven't been in that situation. I don't know. Um, right. But so I can't answer that. But I think I think no matter what we do it always comes back to our location in the building. Um, that's gonna determine our time frame on any of these evolutions or scenarios, if you will. Um, and, you know, hitting them with the UAC and having a little pinhole, I'm cool with that. Like cover oh, it yeah. up, free flow, but get that UAC in them and leave it hooked up, you know? Yeah. Let's, get, yeah. let's, so, let's boogie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hey, for me, Every scenario we discuss, the first thing I go uh, go through in my head is where the hell are we, and where's my closest exit. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I, I want to say I would do this, or I would do that, or hopefully this would work, or hopefully that would work. But we all know that doesn't. Happen. Um, just look at Brett Tarver, like you said, Chad. It, he's the whole thing. It's it's just mind blowing. Um, yeah him returning or running away and fighting and stuff like that. So um, I think another thing too that, um, and I know we're trying to wrap up, so I'll, I'll be brief, but I think another <laughs> thing too that is, um, that's happened to me a million times is, um, and I've learned to start letting it go, but like what we do on the drill ground and what we do in the fire haze, fire, excuse me, firehouse obviously needs to, bleed over into real world operations and tactics as far as Ritz concerned, as far as anything's concerned. The last thing we need to do in a situation that maybe we haven't been presentative in yet, as far as like, oh shit, um, I'm actually doing the, the RIT thing now. Okay, yeah, this is for real. This is happening. Oh shit, this, this base piece has failed, this regulator has failed, whatever. Re in, whatever in regards to any of the situation you, you encounter, you need to stay uh, disciplined as far as what we're going to do, um, what we know we need to do. And the last thing that we need to allow to happen is the, um, the adrenaline and the, the, um, the, the entire situation overtake us and allow the, um, as Esposito says, uh, 
the good idea fairy to come into play, right? So yeah. that's the last thing that needs to happen, right? Um, in regards to any of the situations we may encounter. I know we're speaking specifically towards um, face piece swaps, reg swaps. Um, you like that? That's cool. Reg swap. Reg swap. Um, but we need to we need to obviously be be disciplined in our um, in our uh, task at hand versus ah oh, crap this didn't work hey well maybe if we try it like well no now's not the time right so we we have the steps we know we need to take and and we need to obviously facilitate those in a, in a timely manner um, preferably 15 seconds or less um, but the last thing that anybody needs us or them is the good old-fashioned good idea fairy to swoop down and you know um hit one of us with its arrows and say hey guys let's try this right well um, I, I think you know in everything that we've said tonight like you said ron there, there's only really one common theme and that's the, the the length or the length to extricate how far into the building you are but what you're talking about chad while we i i completely agree we want to remain a thinking firefighter Yes. The, the good idea fairy can lead us down bad holes. Mm -hmm. However, uh, again, it comes back to uh, the whole maneuver warfare theory, where in I shouldn't say theory; it's it's been put in place, you know. But um, to be able to accomplish your strategy, you have to be good at the tactics, right? Right. So. If you have good ideas or ideas are flowing, if they're ideas of things that we've trained on and practiced and can accomplish in a timely manner, then we're okay. But when Absolutely. we start thinking of these things and when we're not competent in that skill set, then it's not going to matter how good the idea is because we're not going to accomplish it in that timely manner. I, which I completely agree. Brings us back to the point of even though the numbers for this type of emergency are very low, it's a skill that we should be practicing and up on, uh, not just your RIT team. Uh, and again, everybody's department's a little bit different, but, uh, and who fills the RIT role. Um, but in the larger departments, most of us are, are thrown into that role uh, fairly regularly. And talking with you guys, you guys are the same way. Um, it's a, it's a basic fire ground skill in my book that we should be able to do, be able to do the face pass face. And I can't talk right now. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tongue twister, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a basic fire ground skill that we should be able to do a, a simple face piece changeover. And if we can do it in a low stress environment in the firehouse, that's a good start. And then in training, we start ramping up the stress levels and try and bring it into the reality based uh, off of our fire grounds. Um, but the, the thinking firefighter is a, is a huge part of it. As long as we're up to par with the skill sets that we need to be. Right. Um, if we're not there, then the good ideas, they can come in waves, but we're not going to be able to get them done. That's right. It's very, that's a, good, that's a good way to put it. You know, the, the people that are listening to this, uh, you could agree with us, disagree with us. That's quite all right. You know, um, we don't know. But what we do know is you have to get out there and try these techniques or these uh, situations out. Like, black yourself out with gloves on and do a, a, a match change out. Do a regulator change out and see if what we're talking about is actually coming to fruition. Like if you're actually encountering these problems while you're training. And then like you just said, Jim, it goes back to training. You know, if you're not doing it, you're not going to do it. And that's just plain and simple. So I think, you know, for those listening, just go out there and try it. And then that'll help you start to develop your own plan on how these operations are going to go for you. I think that's a perfect way to sum it up for the night, Ron, and uh, close this thing out. Um, everything we talked about, it's just talk. Uh, hopefully the, the things that we're discussing tonight are things that people wanted to listen to, and we hit a couple points for everybody. Um, but it goes back to training. At a minimum, get out, train with your crews, train in your departments, and knock it out. Um, all right. 
we want to thank everyone that's listening for listening. Thank you guys for your support. Um, if you're not a part of the Rit Nerds Facebook group, look for it, join it, and uh, continue these discussions on the page. Uh, there's a lot of good things happening. We just formed it up uh, about a week ago. By the time this hits, it may have been a couple weeks ago, maybe in a, even a month ago. Um, but we've got some good episodes planned. Uh, as you can tell tonight, we started off with the plan of having a 30 minute episode. And I think we're now <laughs> at maybe an hour and a half. So we tend to talk and the discussions are good. Um, but some topics we've got lined up for the future. We want to talk, uh, specifically about, you know, if you're on the RIT team and you're deploying, deploying to an air emergency, do you turn on your bottle before or after you deploy? That might be our next episode. Uh, I, I hope it is, because that's that's some good discussions. Cool. I yeah I agree. Um, all right. Good night, fellas. All right. Good night, homies. All right. Peace. Thanks for uh, not kicking me out of the Cool Kids Club yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Notice I said yet, because yeah. <laughs> uh, peace. Listen, we we can only do what we can do. You know that. Uh, no. I yeah. appreciate it, guys. No problem, Thank man. So Thanks much. for jumping on. Oh, yeah. I All right, guys. It. Have a good night. All right. All right. Bye. Later, fellas. Yeah.